Kaiju FM. Come find your niche. And welcome to By the Mash Turn, a podcast by a couple of nerds where we brew some beer, drink some beer, and have a nice little chat about some beer. I'm Mike Harrison Wood. I'm Carl Noble. How you doing there, Cal? Uh, um, yeah, I'm doing all right, thanks. Uh, I've managed to avoid eating uh, the driest of dry biscuits that you've brought around. Yeah, I, uh, I the, brought dry the, the chocolate chip hobnob. Like, what I like is that we've we've just had to re-record the start again because you got a hobnob in the throat. Yeah, um, and. My response to say, or your response to me said, there's some pretty dry biscuits was, it's all right, it's got chocolate in it. Because that, uh, like classically lubing up chocolate. Oh, it does make it, it does make it that extra little bit slippery. It, I'm like, yeah, okay. But yeah. I might that work out for you. That a bit of oat got you there, didn't it? <laughs> I might have to duck out and, and cough a lot more later, <laughs> Do a little but, cough. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, how are you doing? How was how was work today? Yeah, it's, it's all right. We've recently started doing 24 hours Oh, fun! Twenty four five, so it's not it's not like constant, constant, yeah, constant, yeah, but it's yeah. pretty heavy. Yeah, you're uh, not just like concasting beer. No, we'll no. we'll uh, well, and and with the we'll get into the B B later, but you know, with the introduction of the second lockdown, yeah, there's potentially a lot more small pack gonna happen, gonna need, gonna be needed. Yeah, so you're well. gonna be busy. Yeah, yeah, you're we're gonna, gonna be busy. busy. Yeah, and there, I yeah, there are some businesses that are. Definitely not going to be busy, very unfortunately. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, so yeah, definitely. It does feel a little bit weird in that regard. But well, oh I well. mean, you know, like, have you ever done night shift before? I, no, well, I've done uh, bar work where you had to stay up till five. Right, so okay. I'm sure I'll be all right. I'm sure you'll be right. Yeah. It's easy enough, isn't it? I guess. Just don't go to sleep. Yeah, don't get into your bed. Yeah, and, uh... <laughs> it's simple. <laughs> yeah, but other than that, yeah, I've uh, been keeping busy, so... Good, good, good. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm reasonably busy. You know, brewing. Oh yeah, of course, that's happening because we're sat by the big warm mash tun now. Something deliciously strong. What is it? What well, is it? we're doing uh, a Belgian triple today. Mm. Now that's not. I mean, triple, yes, but triple is the the spelling. I believe it's E L, not L E. Oh. Um. So, it's basically just a golden strong ale from belgium there you go um it it's it is pretty straightforward um now i was uh when i was doing my research for the beer um i came across a pretty comprehensive sort of history um on wiki oddly enough um and apparently the term tripel comes from the the low countries now known as netherlands and belgium um and it was basically westermel that did the first ever trip out. Okay. And they called it, I think it was called Super Beer. Super Beer. Yeah. That, that, like, and, um, that sounds interesting. Now, apparently, Westermel um, were, I think, the only secular brewery um, that were allowed to carry the Trappist beer designation uh, at the time. So um, being so, secular. Yeah. We should probably get into what uh, Trappist actually means as well. Uh, so, I mean, like, the Trappist beer is generally produced by uh, monks. 
Yeah. Um, in and, an abbey. Yeah, it, it, in an abbey. And they tend to be uh, reasonably strong beers with like uh, high ester profiles because they're fermented at reasonably high temperatures. They kind of let let to just go. Yeah. Uh, pretty much. So you end up with these um, really funky sort of like quite banana-y, spicy, um, like heavy phenol tasting beers. Mm-hmm. Um, now the Belgian triple not so much on this uh it tends to restrain a bit on that uh you still get the sort of like sort of spicy notes um Mm. and some sort of like maybe honey and a little bit of clove um but it tends to stay away from the sort of like big banana esters Um, so you know when i do it i won't be fermenting at like 28 29 degrees and letting it run that rampant but i will be on the higher end of things Mm um but yeah like it, it is quite an interesting history, and it was quite... It, to find out that, like, Triple started in, like, 1933, that that was when it hmm. first came. That was so when... That seems quite recent in terms see, of Belgian beer. Like, yeah. in terms of American beer, you go, whoa, that's ancient. Yeah, yeah that's super old. But, yeah, but for Belgian... Belgian so, I mean, like, you had um, the Trappist Monasteries um, kind of... They were doing strong beers, um, and Westermel decided to do a beer in that same sort of like mm. the same sort of style, the same sort of idea. Um, but Triple didn't exist until they created Super Beer, essentially. Now I think the the idea behind it being called a Triple is because they use uh, three times the amount of grain, okay, which uh, gives it a much higher ABV. Yeah. So most triples you're sort of sitting in the sort of like eight to nine and a half ten percent um wow but they're not super cloying mm. um but also another way of sort of bumping up the percentage is to add sugar ah uh, similar to uh the recipe you did that used candy sugar yes as yeah. well in the so, past. Like, i can't remember what that was uh well i mean we, we, like we, we've done a few where we've added sugar so some of the imperial ones yeah. uh the imperial stouts we've added sugar i don't think we've done a belgian double yet uh but so belgian doubles tend to be um sort of in the area of six to eight percent um i imagine they get a get their name from a similar place as the triple does they use double the they they use double the amount or double the strength uh but they tend to be darker beers Um, okay so light for a single yeah so well so, so so triples tend to always be uh golden you don't they're not dark they they uh they were originally kind of brewed in a in a way to compete with uh strong lagers which um, i guess around 1930 may yeah. have been sort of becoming popular yes yeah definitely um but apparently it was um so it was super beer up until about 1956 and then it got rebranded as triple okay uh so that's westermels and then from there the the name was adopted um and the style was pretty much adopted worldwide, uh, mm. you know, as as a kind of spread and the popularity of it grew. Um, but yeah, it was Westermel Triple that okay. started this whole thing. So, so as a style, it is. It, it started out as a uh, Trappist style, but I guess it's not. Yeah, it's not really anymore. Is it? Do, do a lot of Trappist places do it, or is it? Just- I mean, it, because uh, Westermels are pretty much the only um, secular place that that were identified at the time as being Trappist mm. uh, or allowed to basically designate themselves as Trappist. Um, I I don't know whether or not... I mean, I suppose it is a Trappist style, 
because it was it was kind of using the influence of um the the trappist monks uh brewing styles to influence it mm, but with um, a different grain but, bill but, and... but with a slightly different grain bill um and yeah like it was just trying to compete with those strong lagers um which when you look at when you look at the the recipes for them they they are pretty much just a very strong lager but top fermented <laughs> Um, right with, with the the trappist abbey yeah, yeah. ale yeast of some yeah kind, yeah I so imagine. um i mean i'll get into the recipe in a, like in a minute but i will be using a belgian strong ale uh yeast mm. um because you know you want something that's going to be reasonably robust um and able to kind of take it a bit further but yeah you're doing it slightly warmer so you're not getting that um that crispness uh, but you are starting to get some of those spicy esters coming through. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, it, it should be quite an interesting one. But, you know, that's a brief overview of the history. The, you know, you can always do a bit more research. And it it is quite interesting because there's a few other little players that come in um, mm. to move things along. But that is the broad strokes of it. Nice, nice. Started in 1933 with yeah, I Yeah, I, I, I thought it was much older. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, obviously, you've got the quadruples. Which is even more. Yeah. So is it like Rochefort 10? Oh, is that? Ah, uh, okay. That's a, that's a quadruple and Rochefort is that back 8. To, that's not quite super dark, is it? It's like dark red or something. Yeah, yeah. And and then you've got Rochefort 8, which is a double, I believe. Okay. And then 6, uh, which is a double as well. Ah. But I don't think any of them are triples. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, when, I, when I was going on the hunt for triples... Um, Obviously, you've got you've got your big classics, and I've got two of them. Um, but I couldn't find a third one, uh, which you managed to actually pick up. Yeah. Um, but I did. I did find uh, Duvel. Uh, Duvel's a beer that a lot of people will come across because it's quite it's quite popular in a mm. lot of supermarkets. Very easy going. Um, very easy going. But it is eight point five percent. So it is. I mean, it's strong, and I like, I love Duvel, and it is light beer, but it doesn't have the name Triple. Mm. It's uh, identified as a Belgian golden strong ale. Okay, I wonder if there's a story. Now, what the difference between the two is, I don't know. Okay, if anyone is a very uh, clued up on this. Belgian styles, then yeah, please do get in touch. Yeah, yeah, like uh, like like, give us a holler on Twitter. Um, you can find us at by the Mashton, um, or if you're an email person, just by the mashton at gmail.com will do there you go um so yeah you can you can find us there um i'll give you a quick rundown of the recipe it yes, ain't, it ain't gonna take long um, <laughs> if you do like the sound of this recipe uh you can find it uh with our partners uh the malt miller so if you just go to uh the malt miller.co.uk and type in by the mashton you'll find a list of, list of all of our episodes and you can just click on it and you'll be able to get the recipe pack which has all the instructions uh, and everything that you need uh, and then you can listen to this episode have a little listen to what we've got to say about it and maybe even pick up some of the beers when your beer is finally fermented out and you can try them alongside um, <laughs> why not why not well exactly um okay so pilsner yeah, Pilsner Malt. Pilsner Malt. Yeah, straight, good straight, base. straight up Pilsner Malt. Uh, now, it's this is a recipe for a 20-litre batch. Okay. Um, and it is six kilograms of Pilsner Malt. Nice, big. Yeah. yeah. For uh, reference, a lot of the recipes I've been doing lately have used something like uh, maybe three, yeah. 
three to four base malt. So yeah. Uh, now this this recipe this recipe should come out at about. Um, I think the OG is going to be one or seven seven, which will put it at about nine percent. Pretty big. So it's pokey. Pretty um, big. After the after the pilsner going into the boil is going to be about a kilogram of candy sugar. Nice. That's going to give it extra extra oomph with yeah. uh, without giving too much of that like big heavy stodgy base. It's yeah. going to be it's going to ferment out quite dry, depending on which how... is kind of what you want because it, like, again this this is about balancing the your sort of your three primary flavors. You you need to be balancing uh, malt hops and your yeast and obviously yeah. because you're fermenting slightly warmer your yeast is it's battling a lot harder than it would if you were uh if you were fermenting lower it's battling in that in that flavor mm. end of things so you, you've got to kind of keep everything balanced so yeah it should be interesting yeah yeah um bittering oh that's it that's it that's the malt <laughs> that's, your that's malt. the malt that's okay. your malt done i was Don't... waiting for character malts but no nah okay that, that's brilliant that, yes that, that's good. it um hops yeah. SARS. Okay, yeah. Uh, so I'm going for, um, like, I think this should come out at about sort of like 23, 24 IBUs. Okay. Um, you, need to, you need to be a bit more than you would do if it was a nice, really smooth, weak ale. Yes, yeah, yeah. Just just because... The strength. Yeah, and the, re- the reason I'm adding, like, the candy sugar is because I, I don't want all of the strength just to come from grain. Because I think the grain would just be too overpowering. You know, if mm. I use, um, you know, seven, eight kilograms of grain and just that, um, it's going to be quite overpowering. You can, Instead of using sugar, um, you can use um, things like carapils and stuff like that um, if you want. But I find, because I've done doubles and triples before, mm. and I find that using sugar is just a really good way of bumping it up, but not bringing up yeah, the malt yeah. character too much because a lot of malts will be introducing the longer chain mm. maltodextrin type heavy yeah. heavy stuff that some yeasts have a real big trouble getting through yes yeah exactly. and by adding sugar you're essentially lowering the amount of unfermentable sugars yeah and so it should taste less malty and be less sweet yes in theory. Yeah. which which i'm hoping will help balance out um the esters um that the 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 yeasts are gonna end up producing yeah um so i am i'm using sars for my bittering Uh, i'm also going to use a cheeky bit of sars uh at flame out okay just to try and give it that little hoppy sort of floral nose like uh, like, i don't i don't want um i don't want it to just all be bittering like I, Mm. i do want it to be a little bit hops on the nose and i find like sars works really well um in this style of beer. So mm. hopefully that should be okay. All right. But what about the yeast? So yeast wise, um, I am going for uh, just a straight up Belgian ale yeast. Yum, yum, yum. So, so, so it's it's going to be a strong Belgian ale yeast. Um, and yeah, it, it should ferment at about, I'm aiming for sort of like 24, 25. Okay. So it's um, still quite warm. So, so still quite warm, which will help kind of chew through those sugars reasonably quickly, mm. um, which should be quite interesting because um, I, oh, I quite like a lively ferment. Um, and I think the yeast I'm using it does advise uh, it, saying it, it can stall. It's okay. sort of like one or three seven, and the advice for that point is basically just mix it in, and it's because the yeast just sits on the top. 
Okay. And it doesn't work its way down. So it's like, okay, well, just, interesting. Give just, it, just give it a stir. Yeah, give it, give it a bit of a stir. So, you know, if, if you do try this recipe and you find that that happens, um, just sanitize your mash paddle, stick it in, work round. Try not to work around too much. Yeah, you like, don't want like, to disturb the CO two yeah, blanket. And you like you you don't want to be just mixing in oxygen. Um yeah. because that that will it'll have negative impacts on the beer. Um so yeah, that that should be quite interesting. Um I think the only difference is I'm going to be uh doing a ninety minute mash. Okay. Um, yeah, that this makes time. Sense. Uh just just because the amount of grain uh, that's going to be in there. I really want it to kind of sit and soak um, yeah, yeah. and uh, extract all those sugars if I can. Um, so, yeah, we'll we'll see how that goes. But it is really, really simple. Nice, nice. It does sound pretty simple. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. When, when I was putting the recipe together, I was looking at it going, um, that's four lines. Should I put more in? But then I was like, well, no, because that's... Yeah, yeah. It, it's more traditional to not... Yeah, and a, a recipe of this nature often develops its subtleties and nuances from processes more than the ingredients. Yes, yeah. it, it does allow the ingredients to fully shine as well, which is good, yeah. but you can impart huge amounts of flavor just by the way that you're doing things. Yeah, so. and, and you know, with, with this style of beer, it's things like yeast and stuff like that, which are one of your big characters. Mm. Um, and, I mean, as, as we've talked about before with... Uh, various lagers and stuff like that like it's doing recipes like this which really test your brewing ability yeah because it's quite hard to hide mistakes anywhere and especially when you're dealing with yeasts at this temperature because you get that wrong you can end up with something that's not quite right yeah you can get some pretty unpleasant off flavors if you go too too hard too hard or too wobbly yeah on, on that sort of temperature front yeah so. and also uh if you are brewing it don't be scared of the smells that come out of the fermenter <laughs> while it's fermenting it won't smell quite normal yeah I've unless heard, you're used to this sort of thing. heard stories of, of things like you know plasticky and, yeah. and burnt rubber and all sorts of things that happen mid-fermentation yeah but, like you, you're always best off just letting it as long as your temperatures are stable let it do what it's going to do until it stops doing it and then check it to see if it's yeah. to see if it's wrong because to be honest once you've pitched that yeast it's it's up to the yeast gods you've there's nothing really <laughs> else you can do yeah except true, true, true. kill it true well i mean that's that does sound exciting i i'm pretty exciting to excited. you're exciting i am yes. exciting to try that yes uh, yeah yeah so yeah looking forward to it uh, but before we go and grab a beer, it's time for some beer ye, beer ye. It's time for the beer news. What beer news you got? I've got a little uh, bit of beer news, but well, it's more local beer news. All right, I'll go first because it's on, all then. doom and gloom. Uh, oh, God. Again? Uh, as you are probably all aware, by the time this episode comes out, the second lockdown will be in place, uh, which is going to royally mess up a lot of pubs, and it yeah. is a absolute crime. Uh, I know that... It, as of recording, it is trying to be sorted out and if, if they actually meant it. But there is a clause in the rules that have come out that are basically saying that pubs are allowed to do uh, deliveries and uh, uh, sort of like click and collect type stuff. Yeah. But not 
alcohol, which means so there's no off sales allowed on takeaways. So, 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 so pubs can now do takeaway on cans of Coke. Yeah, and oh, that's food, good and yeah. that's it. And so, yeah, there's a lot of confusion, a lot of head scratching, people going, what are you talking about? Yeah. So if a pub can't do off sales, then surely supermarkets shouldn't be able to either? Yeah. Or they both should? Yeah. Essentially, that's that's the understanding. Because um, either either alcohol is bad or it's not bad. Yeah, it, so. it, it can't be okay for supermarkets to sell and not okay for pubs to sell exactly. for home consumption. Yeah, that's ridiculous. It is. So yeah, I, I know there's a lot of people uh, trying very furiously over the last 24 hours, and, and we'll continue to for the rest of the week to sort of clarify exactly what they mean. Because if there's one great thing about this government it's their attention to detail now what what i will say is obviously with the with the second lockdown coming in um if they do get the sorted out and pubs can do off sales so you can buy beer from pubs please give your money to the pubs and not to the supermarkets i I understand that the supermarkets are considerably cheaper and that that is perfectly fine if that's what you can afford then that's what can that's what you can afford if you can afford to support your local pubs by buying takeout from them please do because we are going like another month of this we don't know what's happening with grants we don't know what's happening with anything this is going to be the death of a lot of pubs who've tried really hard to get through the last lockdown and get through to a point where they can open and open safely which in my opinion they've been doing a lot better than any supermarket has managed to do Mm. in following the correct rules and making sure that staff are cleaning and being safe and customers are being safe and their customers are checking in they're doing a damn side better job than i've seen any any major supermarket doing so please if you can afford it do support your local pubs and breweries because they're the ones who deserve the support. Like, yeah, yeah. supermarkets are going to be there regardless because everybody needs toilet paper, apparently. <laughs> I, 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 Especially I, at the moment. I, I did go to the supermarket on Saturday. Yeah. All the pasta was gone. All the toilet yeah, paper was yeah. gone. Toilet paper gone today. What? It's, it's a month and we know they've got stuff. Yeah. What's wrong with people? Yeah. Anyway, uh, my bit of news is, um, I mean, it would be great if it wasn't for second lockdown. So um, local local brewery Wild Weather um, have opened up a second tap room at nice, Honest nice. Burger in Reading ah, Town Centre. So it's a little collaboration with Honest Burger. Yeah, so on. because they, they've always done a beer. Mm-hmm. Specifically for Honest Burger. Uh, that was the King Street Pale. Oh, the King Street yeah. Pale. Because Honest Burger's on King Street. Yeah. Um, it's a very nice beer. It, very it's nice a very beer. nice beer. But just, just uh, they had a bar, which kind of wasn't really being used as a bar that much. It was kind of just supplying the restaurant with beer. But there was tables and stuff up there. But now, wild weather, that is now a second tap room for them. And you can go there. And, like, you can sit, you can have a beer. All the beer that's on sale there is on sale in the restaurant. And all of the food that's on sale in the restaurant is on sale for eating at the bar. Yeah. So, Although, by the time this comes out... Well, by the time this comes out, it's going to be shut down. You know, I will remind people when lockdown 2.0 is finished um, and we're back into the tier system. But, I mean, it's a very, very clever move because it means that if we end up in tier 3 at any point, Wild Weather have still got a pub. Yeah. 
because yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you're able to buy a meal, yeah. which is, I mean, brilliant. So, yeah, you know. Because yeah, yeah. there was a lot of very, uh, very nice stories of pubs in Manchester sort of selling slices of pizza and that type of thing. Yeah. And, and well, uh, characterizing like, themselves as restaurants. Yeah, there, there, was, there, there was a place that was selling meals for a penny. Nice. <laughs> Fantastic. I can't remember. I think I think I might have been talking to uh, Chris. And I think he was saying that at some point um, there was this a similar sort of rule came about where like alcohol could only be served with a meal, and like certain places would have a sandwich that you would buy, yeah, and then you would get beer. And it was the same sandwich. Like, it literally had <laughs> slices of rubber in it, so you didn't eat it. Yeah, and it was yeah, put yeah. on the table, and you would drink your beer, and then somebody else would buy the sandwich, and then it could be yeah, put onto a different that's nice. table. Yeah. Let's rubber meals, everybody. Rubber <laughs> meals. It's the only way around this. Yeah. Um, let's have some beer with our yeah, rubber sandwich. <laughs> All right, then. What we got here, then, Mike? So, first up is a Trappist triple. Obviously. Uh, and it is Chimay. This, Chime. is, a, this is a very... Um, so, I mean, you see these bottles kicking about quite a lot. Not necessarily just this one, but I know I've seen, like, the ones with the blue label on mm-hmm. um, and, you know, the various style of beer. Yeah, so they, they've got a very limited range, apparently. Yes. Just three beers that they sell. The blue, red, and then this one yep. is the triple, uh, which is gold. Uh, the other one they do is apparently the the uh, Patus beer or Patus Patus right, beer okay. that is just for the monks. Right, so never getting that one. Well, maybe if you if, 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 you, if you went round there and became a monk. Yeah, maybe I'll get. Or me. I presume if you just rocked up to the monastery and Had said, a knock. "Can I? Can I have help, a- lads? You, you got any weak beer for me? Yeah, I want some Patus beer, please. Yeah, some Patus because that's what I think you were saying. What that's like four point odd percent. Yeah, four point eight percent red beer. Yeah, which actually sounds pretty. That good. sounds pretty bagging like. Uh, whereas this, eight percent. It's a triple. It's 8%. a triple. So yeah, eight percent. Yeah, golden color. Lovely very golden. white head. Very white head. Ooh, very. How's, how's the nose? Interesting aroma. It's quite strong alcohol. Yeah. in there straight off and there's very little hiding it there's maybe a hint of sort of like the subtlest of citrus but i was expecting more malt even though it's pale well even though it's golden because of the strength i was expecting more of a malt aroma yeah you, 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 you are getting those um like that yeast character though yeah like that yeast character really kind of comes through and it's just slightly spicy yeah the, as you as you were saying earlier there's not much of that ester there's not much no. of the banana note though no which is which is very peculiar but right, anyway are you, are, you, are, you, are you gonna go for it i mean it, it's it's an interesting because it's not overly carbonated either which i find no. quite interesting that's very smooth very smooth <laughs> yeah well so for first bit of the day fair enough there is a little bit of alcohol burn but I think if I was a couple of pints in, that would not be an issue. Uh, otherwise, yeah, it's just, it's sweet without being stodgy. It's, yep. it's, uh, it does have a malt character, but it's very subdued. It's very easy. Yeah. Uh, the, the yeast character is balanced, I would say. So in the aroma, there was almost no banana, but it is there a little bit, but it's also balanced by a very, that, that fen- uh, subtle phenolics in there. Yep. That's just, just a touch. I, there, there, nice. there, there is a, I think like the the bitterness that you're getting from uh, from the hops is, but again, it, it, it's balanced. That that's mm. that's the idea behind this beer is that it's supposed to be a strong beer that has those 
that has the whole thing balanced. It shouldn't be mm. like, oh well, this this is just a strong a strong beer. Now now it's really hoppy, or you've just got that real heavy sort of like classic Trappist character from the yeasts. Whereas I think you know they've they've managed this one pretty well, but I mean they probably have been at it a while. <laughs> probably, and, although uh, <clears throat> at the very oldest ninety years. Yeah, but well, I, I mean, the thing is, is that's that's when triples became uh, a thing. Whereas, you know, like the the history that of like the monks brewing this style of beer has been going on for quite a while. Like, I mean, like they are pretty good at what they're doing, mm. but also, I mean, have they got much else on? <laughs> I don't a lot know. Of, a lot of praying. A lot. I mean, these guys get up early. Apparently, they make cheese as well. Oh, do they? Yeah. Oh, so that's a good good way to spend oh. your day. Yeah, making cheese and beer. Yeah. wonder and if they do any like, Partis get, get, cheese. Getting up early and just have a, having a bit of a sing. Yeah. I assume they do more than that. Maybe, maybe. Ten Day Gardens? You never know. You never know. I, I base this entirely off television. Yeah. I have no idea what monks get up to. But I'd, uh, I will say another thing, uh, very briefly, is of there are double IPAs and even triple IPAs yeah. that are delicious and strong and intense. Yeah. And you can gulp them. Whereas this is subtle. And interesting, and it's still a sipper. Yes, yeah. Well, that's it. It's it is so different to see um, kind of how the the different styles of beer have approached this idea of making something strong. Because mm. you can you can make strong beer however the hell you want. Like you you can whack in loads of grain and make it really dark and roasty, like with your imperials, or you can do whack in loads of grain and do your um you know your big strong ipas and just really smash it with loads of hops mm. uh, yeah it they've taken this idea of having sort of like a, a top fermented lager and make it really strong yeah uh, and going for that let's not have massive flavors like kind of battling with each other like you do with your strong IPAs and you do with your strong stouts. Like, let's make something that's clean, crisp, easy drinking, but strong alcohol. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, nailed it. Yeah, I think after a, a couple of refreshing pints of something weaker, going on to something like this, be a nice way to yeah, nice way to finish. And an evening. they do tend to be served in these little dumpy bottles as well. Yes, for yeah. for very good reason. Because yeah. you know, and they're strong. There's also that. Uh, strong Belgian tradition that you really don't see in the UK is that each uh, brewery has its own glassware yes. that with, with very specific shape yep. structure to it and it's, it, arguably it's all about the uh, the combination of aroma and and uh, the way you hold it and, yes. and it, like it alters the experience just enough that it's worth doing yeah yeah, yeah. Barely perceptible, but... Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it it's the go. same with glassware, isn't it? Yeah. Like, you, like, yeah. You, like, you go to different places and, like, different brews, you'd be like, no, 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 that has to be served in this type of glassware. That has to be served in this yeah, type of glassware. Yeah. It doesn't and, have to be, but it, no. it makes enough of a difference. Yeah. Like, that- like, I mean, like, especially in Europe, like, you, you go to certain, certain bars in Europe, and if you order a beer and they don't have the glass for it, you're not getting that beer. You're not getting that beer until somebody returns the glass and it's washed. Interesting. So, you know. Seems like a weird way of doing it, but hey. Apparently it matters, man. I mean, you know, the UK tradition is just a big old glass with a handle. Yeah. (laughs) And it doesn't matter what it is, put it in it. 
I mean, that's true, but, but I mean, you, you are seeing a lot of uh, branded brewery glasses coming out uh, yeah, true, true, where, true. where they're kind of going, no, we, we want our beer served in this style of glass. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And certain pubs will, you know, at least strive to try and serve some uh, a beer in that brewery's glass, whether or not that's just yeah, a branding yeah, yeah. thing or whether or not it's because the brewery is requested. We think it works better like this. Yeah, I'd like to think that it's... a trying to approach it from that belgian perspective I'd imagine of, so uh maximizing the uh greatness of certain characteristics of the beer yeah. but the what is probably more likely is it's the marketing team that have decided on the shape uh, yep. and the the actual people at the brewery making the beer have had very little impact <laughs> i can imagine so You're such a cynic yeah. i know such I a know, cynic i know i'm sorry should we move on yeah all right <laughs> All right, what do we got? Uh, so this is St. Bernardus Triple. Now, this is an Abbey Ale. Yes. Um, not Trappist. Not Trappist Ale. Um, now, there's a very, very interesting uh, reason behind that, which you're going to go into. <laughs> Am I? <laughs> well, all right, okay. because... <laughs> I just did a, a quick little look up. You did a quick little look. Yeah. Uh, so it all, it all comes down to the... Actual Trappist brewery St. Uh, Sixtus, I yep. think, that uh, ceased operating apart from very, very small level just locally. Yeah. Uh, but sold the rights to do to a local cheese factory or something like that. Uh, and then when it was decided 50 years or so ago that you had to have an actual very specific setup in order to call yourself Trappist. Right. So it has to be brewed inside the walls of the monastery. The cheese factory no longer applied. So even though <laughs> right. even though they were making the same recipes as St. Sixtus yeah. used to. Yeah, yeah. They now became they, known as Abbey Ales. Yeah, because you, right. Abbey Ales are still... It, it's like a nod to the fact that it is still traditional. It's just technically not, not Trappist. Yeah, it's just not done within the walls of a monastery. Yeah. Okay, well, I mean, so I mean, I went on to um, Saint Bernardus's website, yeah, because um, I mean, obviously, the information on the bottle is in a language I don't speak. Uh, so you know, I found <laughs> I found the the English translation essentially for the info. Um, so it, it does it states it is a traditional Abbey ale that follows the classic triple style, um, and apparently in the Watu region. Uh, a triple is often referred to as a uh, Bernadette, uh, which is a tribute uh, that pays homage to Bernadetta, the youngest daughter of uh, Avariste Dominique, uh, the man whom the monks of Abbey Saint-Marie-Dumont de Cats sold their Belgian property to in 1934. Okay. So, that's a lot of history. There's there's some up front. There's some info for you. Yeah. Um, Do with that what you will. Yeah. EBC on this. I mean, they, they they've gone deep actually into the characteristics. EBC thirteen bitterness nice. twenty five. Okay. Very similar to what I'm doing yeah. actually. Shelf life two years. Ooh. It's good of them, isn't it? Strength helps, doesn't it? I mean, the strength does help, and I mean that strength is a good solid eight uh, percent, I believe. Yes. Um, yes. Yes. So yes. I mean, very similar sort of color. Very similar in colour. Um, which you would expect. I mean, if they're following very similar sort of recipes, which I imagine they probably are because yeah. it's... The recipe Traditional simple. recipes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah so... From, I mean, from the aroma, though, not much more... 
Not well, it was when I poured it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but much more of the esters in the balance compared to yes. the chimay. Uh, it it definitely smells like it will be a sweeter experience, even though I won't know until I I drink some. But it You're just not, it is sweeter. Oh, but it's also I don't, slightly slightly bitter, but it's it, it's got a, a subtle sourness to it as well. Like, Interesting. which is, I'm not getting the as much sort of like hoppy aftertaste, but I am getting a bitterness right at the start and a sweetness. Mm. Um, I think it's just it's just more it, across the board. It's, yeah, it's just a bit more of of, of all of them. Like it's yeah. it's still balanced. Yeah, but it's like they've they've just cranked all of them up a notch. Yeah, so. Take my exact review of the Chimay beer and replace every time I said the word subtle with moderate. <laughs> so the next beer, hopefully, <laughs> is going to be high. Yeah, well, maybe. We'll see. Or if we take the tier system, yeah. medium, high, and very high. <laughs> classic. Yes. No, that classic three-tiered system. Medium, huge, and super large. Mm, super massive. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean... But no, it's good that the, the esters are more forefront than the phenolics. Yep. That's That's to be expected especially from the aroma yes but in flavor as well so if you are if you are the type of person that does prefer that bananary ester rather than the phenolic bite then maybe this one one is for you rather than the chimay um but yeah it's 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 still very incredibly smooth and easygoing and it's still a sipper but it's still subtle and interesting and yeah i think you could with both of these beers so far, what I've what I've kind of come to is you could, even though you're sipping, I think you could very easily accidentally get really, really drunk on these <laughs> by just sitting and just drinking and drinking and drinking and yeah. just not realizing that. Yes, you're sipping, but you're sipping eight percent beer, and you're probably sipping them a lot faster. I get through a half of that a lot faster than I would an imperial uh, stout. Oh yeah, big time. Because Imperial Stouts just, I mean, a lot of them are just smacking you in the face all mm. the time with, like, big, heavy, heavy flavours. And, I mean, that's great because that's what I want when I want an Imperial Stout. But that is, I mean, it's it's like drinking a better lager. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, and uh, because of the Belgian sort of edge, you kind of want to be drinking it a bit colder yeah. as well. And it's not, it might not be the type of beer that improves as it warms up, like yes. uh, or improves is the wrong word. Develops, yeah, as it warms up, like an imperial. The flavors stout. become more apparent. Yeah, an imperial stout. There's that's definitely one of the joys I experience from them. Yes, yeah, is yeah. tasting as it, as them it fresh from the tap, and then you know at regular intervals, whilst you're also drinking something else. Yeah, it can can be a wonderful and illuminating experience. Yeah, Whereas this, I think I would, I would just drink this. It would be cold, and it would be gone quite soon. And then you'd try and, and stand get up, one. and your legs don't exist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a classic. I, I think I, I think I had a, a similar sort of thing when I very first uh, discovered Duvel. Yeah, um, there was a place in Newcastle that did big bottles of Duvel, and it came with like an ice bucket that oh. you put the big bottles of Duvel in. And I mean, these were like uh liter bottles okay or like half liter bottles of duvel mm. um whereas like normal duvel and a lot of the other of these like really strong belgian beers they come in like 330s yeah little um, stubbies 
so yeah, it came in like a litre bottle, but it came in an ice bucket. So I think the idea is that it was a sharing one or, you know, it was a way of kind of keeping it cool mm. where it came in the in the classic Duvel glass. Um, and Big, yeah, round, like, wide, yeah, very large, open top. Yes, yep. yeah, definitely. Um, but as you're drinking it, obviously you sat down and you and like a litre bottle just disappears quite quickly mm. and then you try to stand up and it's just like i'm sure i had functioning legs yeah at one point but now duvel <laughs> um and i imagine these would have a very very similar effect yes good should we have another one <laughs> yeah all right What then? What have we got here then, Mike? So here, finally, we do have a very big 750 milliliter uh, hardened glass cork and cage (laughs) bottle of uh, Carmeliet triple or Carmelier triple. Yeah, okay. I mean, it it looks fantastic. It looks the part, doesn't it? It really does. Dark green. Yeah. Uh, you, You might see that type of glass more with a lambic like a yeah yeah a, a wild ferment belgian beer you or a bottle of champagne or a bottle of champagne indeed I'm it is that loving type of the artwork yes very rustic yeah oh we didn't actually talk about artwork we didn't mention the, oh, the artwork happy... on saint bernardus yeah saint bernardus the, the really happy monk yeah yeah but there's no monks to be seen on this one no monks but there is a nice uh nice kind of rural scene rural there. setting yeah because carmelier are not trappist nope i know they're just a brewery. Yeah, they're just a brewery. Another does have to be said. Doesn't have to be trappers to be triple. No, that's that. It is, that, that, it is that, still a triple. It, it, it is definitely still a triple. I mean, it says it right in the front there. Exactly. Uh, what but do we know about these guys? You, so you might know as well. They do a beer called Quack. See, it, it, it would have been but. interesting if they'd called this Honk. Honk. No, that's Quack. Uh, K W A K. Right. Okay. No, Quack is in the duck. Quack. No. I think that's how it's spelled. But that—that yeah. that is that is a notorious beer for the unusual shape of its glassware. So as yeah. as we were talking about earlier, where every Belgian brewery has its own glassware for many different reasons, the the nifty thing about the Quack glass is that it is dome bottomed. Yes, it's 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 just a basically a sphere. Uh, but the idea is that you put it in a wooden stand. That you and that's then what you hold. use your hand. Yeah. yeah. It looks like a chemical glassware. It does. It, lo- it looks like a round bottom Erlenmeyer flask. Yeah. It's it, you, We might post some pictures of it. Who knows? But uh, it, it's definitely worth hunting out a picture of it. Yeah. Uh, the, it's a very nice looking glass. The glassware itself gets stolen very readily. Yes. Um, so, much, so much so that many uh, Belgian pubs notoriously charge the deposit of one shoe. Because they could they could charge whatever deposit they want money wise. Is that is and that where the um, the shoe comes from as a drinking vessel? Uh, probably not. The oh the glass boot. Yeah. No, no, I don't think that. It, no, glass maybe. Boot. Uh, but the the I think the idea is that you know even if you charge a deposit of you know ten fifteen euros. Someone will just go, that's fine. Yeah, I'll, I'll pay that for that. Yeah. And then you you still have to buy you're some. You're still short of glass. And it's just annoying, isn't it? Yeah. Whereas if you ask for someone's shoe, then it, they're left yeah. with one shoe that they're wearing and no one's going to run away. With one well, shoe. They, I mean, they might. They, they might. They might, but it's, it's unlikely. Yeah. Mind you, like, I do know people who have went bowling and have worn the rattiest shoes they can and Ooh. then walked out with bowling shoes. Why not? I mean, they are snazzy. Yeah. 
Not much grip in the rain. Not, no, not much grip in the rain. But I mean, to be honest, if you want the steel bowling shoes, I don't really think that matters. No. Um, back, anyway, the beer. Back to the beer. I'm actually drink, drinking this one out of a Rochefort glass. Nice. Which is basically just a very large champagne-esque sort of glass, I believe. Yeah. Champagne? No, not champagne. Martini? Uh, domed. Uh, uh, I mean, Margarita the, glass? The fact that this is the wrong brewery's glass, yeah. is, that's probably sacrilege. It's probably sacrilege. I mean, they, they, like Rochefort are actually a Trappist brewery as well. So. Yeah. Oh, uh, well. Anyway, um, so it's a little smells, bit stronger. Smells amazing. Smells amazing. I'll, I'll get into a little bit of the background before like, you start tasting it. but Fruity. It's it's a little bit stronger at eight point four, and they make a big deal of the fact that it's three grain. So there is ah, uh, right. barley, wheat, and oats in there. Okay, so we're expecting what more of a mouthfeel from this? Yeah, bigger, um, bigger, the head sweeter. retention's looking pretty good there. Yeah, I've been swilling it quite a lot, and it's stayed fizzy. A lot of that's to do with the fact that they. Well, A, they bottle conditioned it and yep. they make a big deal of that. It is bottle conditioned. But also, it being cork and cage, they can put it under much higher pressures than yes. you would be able to do with just a normal uh, bottle and cap. Yeah. 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 So, 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 so we got a much higher carbonation level. Yeah. 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 That, that smells amazing. Like, it's really fruity. It's fruity, but I'm getting, in the same way that the St. Bernardus was much more skewed towards esters. I am getting a lot of phenolics off it. Not yeah, unpleasant no, I can ones. See that. Not unpleasant ones. They they're not that sort of aggressive uh wit beer type uh hit you, like really strike you uh phenolics, but it's wow. it's definitely there. I just had a taste. Oh, what do you think? It's it's big. Like this, you know, when you were talking about like cranking, cranking things up to the next level, that, that's that's exactly what has happened. We've, <laughs> we've, we've magically managed to hit on it where it just went like medium, high, very high. Yeah. You know, okay. th- this is our new three-tiered system. We're, we're, we're going to do <laughs> chimney, St. Bernardus, and then your triple. Yeah, the Car- Carmelier. Tri- yeah, triple Carmelier. I'm, I'm, I'm going to ring Boris right now and tell yeah. me he needs to change his three-tiered system yeah. for this. People would be much happier. It works. It works. Yeah, uh, that is. It is bigger and sweeter. Definitely. Uh, the that yeast profile is much more distinctive. Like yeah. uh, maybe maybe it's just because of the background of drinking a lot of English styles where that banana ester profile is pervasive. Yes, in a lot of them. Whereas that that soft phenolics is not very usual without also that big stink of banana. I think so that's, I think that's what, good. what really helps uh, drive these sort of like flavors up and around uh, and the aroma is that higher carbonation. Mm, like, potentially, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, like you, you get that in your mouth, and it's uh, it, it's just it's heightening everything. Mm. Like it, it makes it more bitter. It makes it more fruity. Uh, it makes it more yeasty, and you've still got that really good sort of like malt sweetness and. You said you picked this up from Tesco's. Yeah, that's madness. Yeah, I, it, so the beer itself, you'll you'll recognise the label. Like you'll see that in a lot of bottle shops and around. Yeah, but for some reason, I don't know why Tesco's have started doing these seven hundred and fifty mil bottles of it. And it's if it's definitely a share. 
bottle. Yeah. <laughs> I would not, I, I would I, not recommend. 750 ml at 8.5%. Yeah, you're not chugging that down on your... I mean, you might. You might, you might. But if you've already had a, a chimay and a and some bananas, then... <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Maybe, yeah, maybe cool it a bit. But That's really good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you'll be reusing that bottle, I imagine. Yes, yeah. Well, um, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know if you remember, but I put up a photo of a load of grapes, mm. uh, about 20 kilograms of grapes that I got from uh, the Nags Head in Reading. And um, I tasted that today, and that is, it's finished fermenting now. Uh, it's dropped down, right, like right down at the bottom. And um, I'm going to degas that. Uh, which you need to do with wine, otherwise it doesn't clear properly. Yeah, I, w- I was very surprised to hear that. Degas? Degas again? About? Why? Why would but, you? Yeah, it's wine. It's wine. It's yeah. wine. You want to degas it. Um, so yeah, I'll be degassing it, and then I will be uh, cooling it, and then bottling it, and I will definitely use that bottle, and I'll probably cork cage it, because I've got corks and cages, so... Nice, nice. You know? It can be it can be quite funky. nice to cork and cage if you've, if you've got the kit. If you're, if you're doing anything strong, if you're doing anything that would definitely benefit from having that bubbliness up to the point of being effervescent. Really, like, yeah. really I mean, fizz the thing bubbly. Is I, I, I'm not sure whether or not I'll make it fizzy. I might. Oh, I'm in for beers in general. Oh, yeah. But. Yeah, yeah. But I've, I've never really made fizzy wine before. Because I do a lot of, like, when I make wine, I do a lot of farmhouse wines. Right. Uh, I don't really tend to do that type, type of thing, but... Now I've got a good bottle for it. I might give it a go, actually. Yeah, Cal's Prosecco. Ooh, okay. I don't like Prosecco. Cal's Champers. Yeah, Champers. I didn't use uh, Grace from the Champagne reason. I used them from the uh, Nagsters. Yeah. Is it? Could, would that be all right? Are you, Otherwise, it's just fizzy, sparkling wine. Isn't yeah, well, it? I mean, that's basically what it's going to be, okay, fizzy, sparkling good. wine. Um, well, we do actually have a final gravity beer to try. Mm, Plum Porter. Plum Porter. Oh, wasn't it Plum and Cherry? Yeah. Okay, fine. Fruited porter. Fruited I believe, porter. I believe is plum, the description I want. Let's go and have it. Okay, this is it. We've got it in front of us. We have. This is the plum and cherry porter, uh, which I brewed. It was two episodes ago. Mm. I think it was episode forty-seven. Yeah, yeah. That um, right. And yeah, I, I I racked it off. Got it carbonated. Um, and yeah, here it is, ready ready to go. The aroma is incredible. <laughs> It's fruity. It's big. It's big. That, yeah. Like it. And the plum and cherry really. Ide- identifiably both as well, which yes. is good. You've got yeah, that balance yeah. just right. That's that's again. That was one of the strengths of using the method you use to add the fruit. Yeah. Uh, allows you to dose in. Exactly. Exactly what you yeah. want. Exactly. And now, so for people who have bought this recipe and are interested in the amounts are used, so the Mangroves Jack's cherry flavour, the whole bottle went in to a, uh, <laughs> the whole bottle went into a 20 litre batch and um, I used an equivalent amount of the um, plum flavour as well. Okay. Um, and, like, like, like 20 to 25 millilitres um mm. of the plum flavoring went in as well but it's good that they were roughly the same intensity yes yeah the, i mean like so have a taste of it and say how you feel i i'm wondering if i was to do this again whether or not maybe i'd dial them both back by about five mil i don't know man. that's pretty <laughs> good it's for me it's got the similar intensity of something like the titanic plum porter that had yeah, that real big which was exactly of, what i wanted yeah and like but 
tasting it, like I can still get, I can still get the porter flavor. Mm. Yeah, there's still the but, malt, but the the the, the flavours of the cherry and the uh, the plum do come through separately as well, mm. which and is they, really quite nice. They don't get in way in the way of each other or the beer. It's, no, yeah, it's very nice. And you've you've got the carbonation level dialed quite low, or are you still carbing on that? No, no, it was um, it was purposely dialed slightly lower, so it was more um, akin to like a real ale. Nice. So it's yeah, serving yeah. slightly colder, slightly carbonated, but not super carbonated. Uh, yeah. which I think works really well with it. Lovely, lovely. Would you say you learnt anything, any lessons from it? Um, I mean, it was quite interesting because um, it's not a revisitation of a recipe. It's a revisitation of a like brewing a style of beer, which I have brewed before. Mm. But obviously I added the flavour different. Um, you know, so I think this is the first time I've used like flavourings. Rather than as, a, as opposed to plum. using um, actual fruit or making a tincture. Because um, before this, I've always kind of used, uh, like made tinctures if I was adding lime flavor or anything like that. So, yeah, doing, um, using the extracts, I actually think it's worked out quite well because it mm. has given the, it's given the flavor profile that I wanted it to. Nice, nice. And it matches very well with the Carmelier as well. Does it? <laughs> mm, interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, it brings out those delicious phenolics because a lot of the the sweet fruitiness uh, gets Ooh. masked. And yeah. That's interesting. It's an interesting pairing. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good reason to... Uh, to try and brew both these beers uh, and then try them side by side. It's it's as if it was all planned. Ah, amazing. I mean, it wasn't. That's a remarkable thing. Um, so yeah, I, if you have uh, if you have tried to make our plum porter, or if you uh, you know later on down the line after episode is aired, if you do try to make our triple, or if you have tried to make any of our other beers uh, from uh, the maltmiller.co.uk, then please do get in touch on Twitter at by the mash ton or give us a shout on gmail or basically anywhere else mm. um just the mash ton you'll find us um and by the, yeah by the mash ton by the mash ton yeah <laughs> and let us know how you found the recipes if there's anything that you think would be good for changing uh because we only get to brew these recipes once uh, which mm. is sometimes a bit of a shame, but obviously there's, I mean, like everybody, we have a limited amount of space and a limited amount of time. Um, so, you know, it's quite good to hear back from other people to see how these recipes are brewed again and again and again, kind of how they stand mm. up. Uh, so, yeah, please do get in touch. If you've got any questions, give us a holler. We will always try and answer anything we can. Or if we don't know, we will point you in the right direction or we will do the research ourselves and let you know um if you've got any questions on equipment check in with the malt miller uh they're always exceptionally helpful um and you know they'll be able to point you in the right direction especially for equipment i'd say like, like that is their like the big thing that they do I mean, obviously they've got a lot of grain a lot of hops mm. but their equipment choice is just insane in that place yeah at least yeah. i find it insane Def- definitely definitely a good place to check out yeah. and and also just browse if you if you're like oh, oh, i don't know look. what i'm gonna brew next just you know sometimes it helps just looking at the malt miller website and seeing what they got in stock yeah uh, that, that that does actually because that 
does tend to kind of uh, change what I brew sometimes. I'm like, oh, I've never never used that yeast before. I've never used that hop before. Okay, maybe I'll try this this time then. Mm. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, but, yeah, thanks for listening, and uh, I mean, we'll see you in about sort of two weeks-ish, I'd have thought. All right. Bye. Bye.